The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis, a new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling, with your host Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello, and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley, and thank you for being here today. It's an honor to be with you. Today, our show will begin with the story of how the Merlin Arthur legacy was born. You know, I share stories from this legacy to inspire you, those of you who are pursuing your higher calling. This legacy is filled with inspiration, love, and magic, and will support you on your journey now and in the future. We've spent time so far talking about Merlin's birth and his time as a child in the fairy realm. In future weeks, we will share stories of how Merlin became advisor to King Vortigern and why Merlin worked his magic for King Uther, seeing the potential birth of Arthur. We will focus most of our time together in the future, however, talking about the 12 qualities of chivalry that each knight of the round table possessed. Each of these qualities of character will strengthen you on your quest to fulfill your higher purpose. But currently, we are building a foundation for that work ahead. And so, and so, and to that end, today, I'll be sharing the story of Merlin and the Fairy Queen. This story comes directly from Lazarus and is quoted from his version of the story as it is told in the Merlin Arthur Legacy, channeled by Jack Purcell. This collection is a product from the company Concept Synergy, and you can learn more about Lazarus and this work at lazarus.com. I'm grateful to Lazarus, to Jack, and to this beautiful body of metaphysical training that is foundational to my work as a coach and a healer. The remainder of our show today will, will be with our guest, Dr. Lori Layden, a stress and trauma healing expert and certified master trainer, internationally known for using EFT tapping in her work with hundreds of orphan genocide survivors in Rwanda, and her two years of work spent in Sandy Hook, supporting those traumatized by the Sandy Hook Elementary School tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut. In the brain tool segment of our show, Lori will be taking will be talking about EFT, 
the emotional freedom technique, and then taking us all on an exercise to put EFT into action, helping us to reduce stress. We have a great show today, so stay tuned. fairy queen. He was but a boy. He awoke early that morn before the beginning of day, and he lay there in his bed. The midnight blue sky in the west gave way to the electric blue in the east before the dawn of day. And as he was laying there, he wondered, which hurt more? The laughter, the teasing, the taunting, the bullying of other children who hid their cruelty in the cascade of their laughter? Or was it the not-so-hushed whispers of the mothers and fathers who shooed him away, gathering their children up quickly so they would not be about this boy so strange, so different? Was it the taunting and teasing, the cruel laughter, or was it the hushed whispers and the shooing of mothers and fathers that hurt the most? This boy knew pain, for he was different. He was not fully human, this one, part human, part fairy, and his body not quite human different in subtle yet significant ways. Oh, there would be a time hundreds of years later where there would be those that would want to noblize his birth to claim that he was the rightful heir to the land, to the throne, the son of a king. But he was not. He was part human, he was part fairy, and he lay there in his bed wondering which was more cruel, which hurt him more deeply. He knew pain. He rose just before the rise of sun, and in the crimson light, underneath the lavender clouds, he bathed in the stream. The water was cold. He entered quickly and came out again quickly, drying his naked body, combing his too long hair to cover his ears that were strange, to shaggy down his brow to hide, to disguise his eyes that were so very different, frightening many. He quickly dressed, for even he was not pleased by the presence of his own body, too gangly, his skin darker than most, and mottled in his coloring. The darker skin, even darker in places, creating strange, not blotches, but strange designs. And with the rise of sun, with the first light of a day, a burst of breeze in this fall, a gust of hope, and he knew this was a day to journey. This was a day that he must leave quickly now, and journey he knew not where. And so he would begin this day. His mother would wake hours later, seeing him gone, would know not to worry, not to fear, for though he was but a boy, he knew his way better than most. And through the wood he traveled. He loved the woods. He used to pretend, and as a boy pretending this morning, that he could see gnomes and sylphs floating in the air, and Undine dancing on the streams. He would pretend he could see the salamander. Some said, things such as this were real, he only hoped it was so. And though he had no friends among the human, and he liked mostly to be alone, he made his way through the wood this morning, the dewy floor, the crunch of leaves already fallen in the fall, the crack of tiny twigs. He imagined the sounds of his own footsteps, the sounds of gnomes and nature spirits, a vivid imagination had he, where he often retreated from the cruelty. As the sun rose high in the sky, he came out of the wood into the farmlands. The farmlands often frightened him, 
Oh, they were beautiful, but the farmers frightened him. They were not always kind. He would walk through the fields on the far side, ducking and sometimes becoming very still, pretending that he was invisible. Though he knew it was only a game and not so, they never seemed to see him when he played such a game. And he made his way through the farmland, not sure where his journey would lead, and decided that he would head north to the lake country, and then maybe west to the sea before his journey was done. He did not know. And across the farmland, along the country lanes, through the meadows and fields, in the grooves of pasture prepared, he headed to the lake country, dotted with woods and lakes, huge lakes, little lakes, some no more than ponds. He loved the lake country, for there he could go alone and be by himself in the joy and the wonder. He was disheartened when he came upon his favorite lake, for there was someone there, someone fishing, sitting on his rock, fishing. He hesitated, but he did not retreat and stood still for the longest time, pretending to be invisible. It was an old woman fishing that day, the audacity, and she would call to him in time without looking, without lifting her gaze. Come, help me with my catch, and I will share my bounty with you, boy. Startled that she would speak, a crackly, craggly old voice, this one, and he stood so very still for the longest time. Come along, come along, she said, sounding somewhat impatient, jolting him into movement. He went forward to join her on the rock. This old woman was uglier than ugly and more ancient than old. At first, she seemed grotesque. He wanted to laugh. He wanted to pull away, but he knew the cruelty that can hide in laughter, and he knew the shame of others' retreat. And so he took a breath and sat with the old woman, ugly, old, more ancient, as she fished. Now what was strange, if not already so, was that she was not fishing for fish. She was fishing for stones. She had a basket full of them that were at her side, and by and by she would reach into her basket and find a bag of stones, water stones, like tiny pools of water they, and into her hand she would pour them, these watery blue stones, and she would give him one and then another and continue fishing for her stones. And by and by, as the day grew long, in the lays of afternoon, she had given him many stones, beautiful, polished by the waters, smooth, tumbled so. And then she asked him, Would you like to play a game, she said. What boy would not want to play a game? Weird as he was, strange as he was, part human and fairy he may be, every boy wants to play games. And so a nod, more in his eyes than in his body, he spoke. And the old woman pulled out a basket with many other stones, and she placed before him a crystal sphere, polished and filled with light, filled with wonder. And the boy looked deep into the sparkle, into the rainbows, into the wonder that shone back at him there. She placed the sphere, this old woman, and she moved a hand all craggy, knuckle-swollen and bent, and she said words that the boy could not quite hear under her breath. And then she reached into her basket there and brought forth crystal points, several of them, and she placed them there before the boy. Some of them rose, some of clear quartz, some bit smoky citrine. She placed them there and then pulled back, 
And though the boy now play, and he looked for the longest time, sometimes close, sometimes far, and then to move the point, to place it here, or was it there, or over here, to place it so, and another very close. It was placed, and yet another seeming so far away. Another found its place, a distance great, if oversee- as if overseeing. And another, yes, no, yes, no, it was there, and here, and another, and there the last. And he looked for the longest time, and he knew, though he knew not how, that it was right. It was right to place it there. And then the stones he took and laid them forth and placed them so to be strewn among the crystals to be placed in their rightful place. And he laid the stones and let them fall and move, and move them by their will, the gnomes, and something more ancient, thank you, seemed to guide his hand to give him knowing the placement ever so. A strange game, but it occupied him for a very long time. The ancient stones called the runes, they were placed and scattered so amid the crystal points and sphere. He thought the game was over, and it was grand fun, though he could not say why. Ah, 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 said the old woman. Not quite yet, young man. And then she stooped, and with her hands made movements, and her finger, finger so gnarled, so bent, so swollen, so stiff, became alive and fluid, became as though young, as though the hands of a child, and then hands more like he knew his mother had, and then old and young and in between. And the points began to vibrate ever so gently. Was it only his imagination? They began to vibrate one and then another, and yet another, and the sphere began to glow, pulsing, pulsing, pulsing. And the more it pulsed, the brighter it got, the more the stones, the points vibrated. And from the sphere... Seven rays of light did surge, each to touch the standing point, and each the point began to glow. Filled with light, filled with brilliance, filled with wonder, the boy's eyes saucer-like stare, vibrating, pulsating, brilliant light. They came alive, these stones, these crystals, these points, this sphere. And then there was a burst of light. Ah, it blinded him, a catch of breath, a burst of light. And his soul was found by his spirit entwining. And he saw in the sphere, he saw, and in the chaos before the conception of a legend stirred a dream that was not yet dream, a vision that was not yet vision. Blinded, and yet deeper, he saw something. And then it stopped, became still, became quiet. That was all there was, but it was enough. He saw something in that moment, and in the chaos before, conceived a dream, a vision, a plan. His spirit found his soul and entwined. The fairy queen and Merlin on that day, in the lays of afternoon, touched something, and neither of them would ever be the same. In time, she would gather her points and sphere, and he would gather his first stones, In time, the boy would return home that day, and so it began. He was but a boy. And in that chaos, innocent chaos, a legend was born. A dream, a vision of worlds united. Not one world. This is not about one world government, one world language, one world. 
This is not about mushing and eliminating all difference, making everything the same. It's about uniting worlds, distinct, distinguished, different, uniting worlds. The fairy human boy saw it as uniting the fairy world and the human world, where he was never fully accepted, though by one more than the other. The uniting of worlds, to work as one, a flesh, a chaos, a possibility, he saw it, and a legend was born. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. I don't know if many of you are dealing with difficult issues right now as most of my coaching clients are, and I am too, but the current energy we're all dealing with is kind of weird and uncomfortable right now. If you're looking for support and taking deeper responsibility for what is going on for you at the moment, and you'd like some support, I'd be able to help you. I, I provide these weekly calls. Many of you heard me talk about this before, and they start exactly 10 minutes after the end of this call. And I'd love for you to join us. If you join us today, just go to legendaryleaders.com and sign up for today's free hour of channeling that will start 10 minutes after the end of this show to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember, you can sign up anytime during the week for the next call at legendaryleaders.com. It's more private than live on the radio, so join us. And I look forward to meeting you. I'll be happy to channel whatever your higher self wants to say to you about whatever's going on during some of these weird times. I'm so excited to present my next guest. She is a friend who has been doing her deep metaphysical work for decades, and I I know because I've been alongside her in her studies. And for you, I want you to just ask yourself this question. Do you ever wonder if following your higher calling and higher purpose is making a difference in the world? My next guest is the result of one person following her higher calling and changing the world. It's an honor and a privilege for me to introduce my guest today, Dr. Lori Layden. I have known Lori for almost three decades as we've been studying metaphysics together, along with in that we've met each other through the Lazarus workshops and trainings together. I knew that Lori was a psychotherapist, but I had no idea of the caliber of heroic work that Lori is doing until I looked into her background recently. 
Lori is a stress and trauma healing expert and an AAMET certified master trainer who is internationally known for using EFT tapping in her work with hundreds of orphan genocide survivors in Rwanda. <clears throat> Boy, I'm just getting moved even <laughs> just thinking about it. After a near-death experience, Dr. Layden developed the GRACE process, a transformative spiritual practice for heart-centered living. She is the author of the Grace Process Guidebook, a practical guide for transcending ego and engaging the wisdom of your heart. She established Project Light Rwanda, the world's first international youth healing heart-centered leadership and entrepreneurial program. Lori's credentials go on. She's the executive producer of the recently released documentary Project Light from Rwanda to Newtown, a journey of hope, healing, and possibility. Lori heads up Nick Ortner's Tapping Solution Foundation and its Newtown Trauma Relief and Resiliency Project, which is the first community-based EFT tapping initiative that supports those traumatized by the Sandy Hook Elementary School tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut. Please welcome Lori Layden. Hi, Lori. Hi, Maria. So good to be with you. And I've been so excited by our recent... uh, communications and connections and, and going deeper and uh, the beauty of your your show, which is, you know, far more than simply a show, but an invitation to people to find their own legends and leadership that is true to them. How beautiful. Well, there's no question, Lori, that you're answering your higher calling and, and look where it's taking you. I I didn't expect this today, but I'm, I got moved when I looked at your videos. I, they make me weep, and I highly recommend to everybody to see these beautiful, beautiful videos. We'll talk more about them later. But here you are doing your beautiful calling. When did you know this was your higher calling? <laughs> I think I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> but I, I, I will say that, um, you know, after my near-death experience 11 years ago, and I really had all my internal and external structures fall away, and I just asked, you know, where am I needed? What is my purpose now that I have this this new chance? Because given given how I was before, I simply would have done the same old thing again. And so I followed my heart. I followed images and dreams, which... If anyone had told me that I was going to follow images and dreams, I would be, you know, I would tell them they were crazy. But I did move from the East Coast to the West Coast, and then I did receive, and and the West Coast felt like home to me, but I did receive an invitation when I felt, after feeling very um, anticipatory for so long, and after setting an intention uh, for what was next on my sole purpose, and I did receive a call asking if I could come to Rwanda to teach my trauma healing techniques there. And, you know, I remember when other disasters around the world had happened and feeling helpless because I wasn't able to go. And uh, my heart said yes immediately. And then my head said, how the heck are you going to do that? Uh, and I knew that I had to ask friends and family for the money to be able to um, leave my practice in my home for a month to go there and do this work. So I guess that was the first anticipation, but not really knowing what the form was, 
And then when the form arrived, uh, everything in my heart said, yes, everything in my life has, has led me to this moment. And uh, I've been saying yes since 2004. Um, and, of course, Rwanda then brought me, there's a connection to Newtown as well. So, You know, I'm going saying- to... I'm- I think I'll interject for just a second, Lori, because there may be some people who have forgotten or or don't even know or remember. You know, for those of you who may not know or remember the blight in human history that happened over a period of a hundred days in 1994 in Rwanda, when one million people were murdered, genocide, leaving one million more orphans. And Lori, it just amazes me how you've gone into Rwanda and brought these your healing there and the difference you're making. I mean, there's so much trauma and hunger and grief and other hopelessness of future there. Well, tell us a little bit about that before we turn to Newtown. Yeah. Well, first let me say the most important preparation I made to go to Rwanda was to do my own deep healing and, and dark shadow work and even light shadow work. Um, because as much as I have my you know professional skills, I knew but I needed to be able to be fully present in my heart to sit with someone who might have murdered a hundred people, to sit with a woman living with AIDS and having been tortured and her family mur- murdered in front of her, uh, or to sit in front of these, these orphans uh, 13 years later, having never told their stories, having no one witness, you know, or hear what they've been through. And so that was my... Uh, Commitment to myself is that I would uh, do that dark shadow work, and it prepared me in amazing ways that has now become the essence of what I teach and how I do my healing work is um, asking people who want to be of service to heal their own deepest wounds first. Uh, so I was very, very lucky uh, go to Rwanda and spend a month there working with widow and orphan genocide survivors. And I knew that I needed to partner with them. And that's a key word, partnering, because many people who want to be of humanitarian service go in and think they know the answers. Yeah. Um, but, but here I'm just bringing my skills and I know that they have the inherent wisdom that is in each one of us all over the world, no matter what our circumstances is, uh, to heal our hearts. And I asked them, well, first I thought I was being outrageous to ask this question, what do you want more than your grief and trauma? And we were able to sit together after we, of course, had developed a connection um, and have them begin to think about what's on the other side of grief and trauma. And I think even for those of us here in the United States, we have to ask ourselves that. Whatever we feel our uh, wounds are, what is it that we want more than our wounding? Uh, And uh, what I found from these young people and from these women who had faced the most heinous of circumstances was that we're all connected. We are all alike. We all want the same thing. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to know we matter. We want to love and be loved, and we want a chance for a bright future. And when we connected on that level, and I could see part of my own childhood suffering in them, uh, anything was possible after that. And with love and the right resources, 
um, EFT tapping being a big resource, um, we we have been able to to do miraculous things, and these young people have gone on to help hundreds of other young people. Mm. Wow! Well, you're pointing to such an important important foundation, and I love it. It's just the core of what Legendary Leaders is about, that healing yourself, doing that deep inner inner work is crucial to doing the outer work, first doing the inner work, and then preparing yourself to do the outer work. It's so easy to have a calling or see a need in the world and just jump right to it and get out there and try and fix things. And a lot of people can get caught in that, good-hearted people. But I love how you prepared yourself. And who could even imagine preparing yourself for for something like that? It's amazing you did that. Well, And, of course, I love you're also saying, and you weren't Miss Know-it-all. (laughs) <laughs> you went over with you asking questions and seeing where you could partner. And I know that partnering has brought you to amazing success with your ambassador program. You want to tell us a little bit more? Tell us about that. The whole thing is so fascinating. <laughs> well, you know, each time I would come back from Rwanda, uh, instead of my heart breaking, my heart broke open to what's possible in the world. And I guess another piece of my quote-unquote calling is that I would come back from these trips and I would think to myself, I've got to align myself with some world leader or world teacher or world guru like Jean Houston or Barbara Marks Hubbard or Angela Farian or whoever it is because they'll know how to do this. And, you know, I remember waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, you are the one you've been waiting for. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not the answer. <laughs> no, um, no, go away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, in in deep meditation, I did come up with, uh, or or let me say that our teacher uh, named it more accurately by saying that I became the conduit for a vision called Project Light. Uh, Light stands for heart-centered leadership inspires global healing and transformation. And my this form was a new form of humanitarian aid that combined trauma healing skills like tapping with heart-centered leadership skills and the opportunity for economic sustainability. And if we could have our most traumatized young people in the world go through a program like this and heal from a program like this, then instead of becoming the next terrorist, they could become the next heart-centered leaders. And if they could reach out to other young people around the world and share this healing and share this, this connection of being global citizens, that's how we could create global healing. And I thought I was crazy, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And that was in... Um, I think I wrote the brief in, in 2010, and, and then in 2011, I began a partnership with Nick Ortner of The Tapping Solution. Um, and Nick is well-known worldwide for promoting the use of tapping for self-care. And, um, and now with the formation of his foundation uh, in response to the Newtown Sandy Hook tragedy, also um, dedicated to the clinical um, application of EFT for trauma. Um, and so back in 2011, I called Nick and I said, I need money for Project Light. 
And he said, well, we'll try to raise money during our Tapping Wheel Summit, which is actually coming up in a couple of weeks. And we raised enough money to run the first Project Light pilot program in 2011. We've been following these 12 young people for three years. And uh, they have, we, we started with a four-week residential training program and in Rwanda. Uh, they're showing no signs of trauma. They have gone on to do tapping and trauma healing and leadership with hundreds and thousands of other people. <sighs> and they stand as beacons of light uh, for what is possible. And their hearts are so pure and beautiful Eight of them are now being sponsored by young people, 12-year-olds and older in the United States for university, um, and four of them are entrepreneurs. So it's absolutely extraordinary. You, know, you are so inspiring, and in this vision you have is so huge. If anybody feels that they, their, their vision is too big, you know, take, a, <laughs> take note here for a moment. Because I've, I've heard, you've even said, you know, that you believe that we can create global healing in our lifetime by providing love and the right resources to our next generation of young people in the form of a new model of sustainable human, humanitarian aid called Project Light. And how beautiful. Here you are. Instead of, you, you can go, and I'm sure there are lots of wonderful groups of people with lots of money that would, would love to give to you. And please, if you're, li- if you're listening, please do give to Lori. We'd love that. <laughs> but I'm thrilled that you're doing this grassroots, inspiring uh, the children and, uh, well, the youth to get in and, and, and be a part of this right from the beginning. This is so exciting, Lori. It and I know and it, yeah, now I think we can hear about Newtown because I know there's there's a young <laughs> fellow there that is you can talk about uh, what's it E what's his name EJ or that that is uh, doing J- that work anyway please yeah yeah JT oh um, JT that's it yeah so uh, you know and it, and it takes conversations like this to really reflect back to me you know all that's unfolded because there have been contractions along the way and there have been fears about how things are going to get done and. And all of that. So certainly to say that, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it does require some intestinal fortitude, if I may say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, flash forward to December 13th, 2012, when I literally surrendered um, and I'm in a positive way that I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know if I could raise another dollar. I didn't know if I was supposed to continue with this work. And the next day, Nick Ortner called me on December 14th and said, Lori, I live in Newtown where the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings took place. What, if you were here, what would you do? And I described to him a community-based model, a train-the-trainer model of Newtowners helping other Newtowners, a long-term effort where we would be there long after volunteers had left in the initial influx. And um, and he said, how soon can you get here? And I remember think, you know, I remember doing a quick meditation, is this mine to do? And the answer was yes. You know, how mm-hmm. could he and I be connected like this and him support the work in Rwanda and then have this happen in his hometown? And three days mm-hmm. later I was on the ground and... Uh, I just recently, um, I was there for two years, uh, not knowing that that would be that long, still managing the effort there uh, uh, and going back and forth uh, from my home here in Santa Barbara. 
But one of the most amazing miracles that unfolded, and this is where sometimes you forget the function or the form of what you've asked for. Um, I met a young man, JT. He and his mom, Scarlett, lost Jesse Lewis, um, six years old, um, first grader at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And the mom was uh, got a lot of relief from tapping, and, uh, um, you know, she, she, she has had a good experience under unbelievable circumstances. JT, on the other hand, was not too interested in the tapping at 12 years old. He was not having it. But his heart touched mine, and I remember my own wounds at 12, and I thought, what, how can I help JT? He hadn't been going to school for a month. He was, of course, very angry. Um, and I asked him if he wanted to have a Skype conversation with my ambassadors, never remembering or realizing that this was my dream. Uh, and I set up a Skype call. I did not tell my ambassadors anything to say or what to do. These two ambassadors who are in their 20s uh, literally spoke to JT on a level that only they could understand, uh, given their own grief and trauma. And they had an hour and a half Skype call. They tapped. Uh, JT was transformed and transfixed. Uh, he went to school the next day and, and gave a lecture and a, and a speech about how important it is to care for other young people who have it worse than we do here in the United States. And within two months, he raised enough money to send one of our ambassadors to university. And it is just an extraordinary example and opportunity for how we can connect young people around the world because he realized there was something outside of himself, something beyond his own grief and trauma. Um, And I remember watching that Skype call thinking, oh my gosh, the vision of Project Light is unfolding. Oh, Lori, that is so beautiful. And being able to go from that apathy and depression and even hopeless sense about the future to rising up and being one of the answers. I mean, that story of JT is so beautiful. And for those of you that really want to see, you can see there was one of the videos on the internet is, is the, is a video where the, is, was it a girl or a boy who was going to be going to university? That JT uh, was supporting girl, Betty. 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 Yeah. That's right. So you can see Betty actually receiving that phone call from uh, JT with his telling her that he'd raised money to send her to university, giving that family hope as well as the whole community. Which one of those videos is it? Do you remember? Because we have several uh, here. Yeah, there um, are several. There's if you go to the, uh, it's called Tapping Solution Foundation dot org. Um, you'll see several videos there. Uh, you can also go to whenIwasYoungMovie.com to watch the documentary trailer. Um, and, of course, createglobalhealing.org also has uh, videos available. That's so beautiful. I, I'm thrilled by everything you're saying here. And um, I, I want to know, what else do you want the audience out there to know? How can they support you and your project? Well, you know, obviously we would like to bring this program around the world. And as a result of my partnership with Nick and his half a million 
um, people on his email list. Uh, we get requests daily to come and either mentor or respond to tragedies around the world. And, you know, we would love to be, have the resources to do that. So obviously, you know, financial support is, is very important. Connecting us with people in various communities around the world who would like to bring Project Light to their communities um, is, is important. If you have uh, key connections in those communities, um, if you're interested in even showing our documentary and even having a, um, a salon or a workshop around the teachings um, of Project Light and the grace process, that would be great. And, and of course, tapping. Um, so we're, we're looking for all of those resources to create this program worldwide. I just get so excited the thought that on Skype and uh, communities all over the world could be, in a, after trauma, could be holding up their phones and be tapping to, with these yeah. ambassadors leading the way. I mean, it's, it's utterly fantastic, Lori, your vision and the way it's unfolding is so beautiful. And we are so lucky today because we have the master here who is going to give us a little uh, training of our own. So, Lori, Lori we, we spoke the other day about this, that you could give us maybe a five-minute meditation or a way to work with tapping and using the idea of how, how we can reduce our stress. And would you, would you help us with that? This is in our brain uh, tool segment today. We're going to have Lori teach us. <laughs> yes, great. Uh, well, so first let me explain uh, for people who don't know about tapping that um, emotional freedom techniques, or tapping as it's called, is a combination of ancient Chinese acupressure points and modern psychology. And in, it, it, it's great because what it does is it interrupts the stress response, the fight-flight-freeze response in the brain and allows us to return to... Um, balance, if you will. It takes us out of our reptilian brain and gives us access to our prefrontal cortex, which is the seat of our creativity, our wisdom, our intuition, um, our, our, that place where we can access our gifts and our talents. Um, and of course, since we have such a brief time, I'm just going to give you a simple application of it and refer you to thetappingsolution.com for downloadable manuals and further study. But it's very simple. We create a setup statement which basically tells the truth about what we're experiencing balanced with a positive statement about what we want to be experiencing. And we repeat the statement as we tap on certain meridian points on the body. And the setup statement, we start on the fleshy part of the palm just below the uh, pinky finger on either hand, and you just tap gently. Uh, and so for this example, I would ask people to think about something that's stressing them out. And as they think about that, what is stressing them out, give it a rating from 0 to 10, with 10 being the most intense. And just make a note of that number. And then we use a setup statement, which we repeat three times. And in this example, we would say, even though I have this stress and all it means to me, and you fill in the blank about your stress and balance it with, I love and accept myself anyway. Because this is the state we want to be in. 
Now repeat that three times. And if you're listening, just silently repeat to yourself, even though I have this dress and all it means to me. I love and accept myself anyway. And the third time, even though I have this dress and all it means to me, I love and accept myself anyway. And then we move to nine other points, which I will explain using a reminder phrase. And in this case, we would say this dress as we tap on these points. And we begin at the beginning of the eyebrow, and you can use one hand or two. And we simply tap at the beginning of the eyebrow all this dress. And then we move to the side of the eyebrow, the end of the eyebrow, all this dress. And on the bone underneath the eye, all this dress. And under the nose, just above the lip, all this dress. And under the lips, right in that cleft under the lips, all the stress. And then on the chest, about two inches down from that U-shaped bone, just tapping gently, all the stress. And the last point is under the arm, just about where the bra straps end, about four inches below your underarm, all the stress. And then we take a deep breath and we close our eyes and we move inside and we just see what we see. We notice what we notice. We notice if what number it is, zero to ten. We notice what thoughts are coming up now. We notice what body sensations there might be. And we keep repeating this process until we can get that stress down to zero or two. And in this way, as the body relaxes, as you interrupt the stress cycle, and your brain and your heart come back online, we generally expect some shifts in perspective. We expect uh, us to have some aha moments, some insights, Um, and or as the stress is relieved on that particular issue, be able to go ahead with your day and and be more productive and efficient and self-aware. I know, Maria, you've had some experience with the technique as well. Um, Does that, uh, would you like, is there anything you'd like to add? Oh, I well, I'm gonna I'm gonna act more like an audience member that may not know about EFT and ask you, do, when you are doing one side of the body, like under the left arm, do you have to do the right side of the body, or or doesn't it matter? You know, it actually doesn't matter. Uh, some people like to tap on both sides, um, and uh, but it really, we evidence indicates that it doesn't matter. So on these meridian points, you're literally um, taking the limbic system offline and you're resetting the amygdala amygdala, that it's possible to have an image or a memory or a sensation and feel safe in the presence of it. And that's why it's extremely effective for trauma. And the self-care application, like stress, is different from the trauma application, which really should be done by a certified practitioner. But there's so many self-care applications and there's tons of resources 
on the tappingsolution.com for people to learn it. And there's even a downloadable stress meditation there where you don't even have to think about it. You just follow along to the recorded meditation. Oh, Lori, I, I want to do more more of this with you. I, I, I bet there are lots of people out there that do. I mean, I want to know how this combines with the Grace pro, uh, your Grace program as well and, and all of that. We, we won't have all the time to go into it again, but oh my gosh, I hope you'll come back and be um, a guest again. We, we are so lucky to have had this time and your teaching today. What a simple technique. And I know how important it is um, and from the brain work that I do. When you're uh, getting outside that reptilian brain part of you, which always has its response in, in fight, flight, um, flee. Wait, fight, flight. F- we know one is fornicate and what's the other one? Uh, right. Feed, well, the, feed, the, the, the four Fs, right? Yeah, exactly. Because that's the, the one that's not so well known that happens in trauma. Is the what? freeze response. Yeah, oh, the, the fight, freeze. flight, freeze response. And freeze another F, yeah. So they, that, in a sense, keeps you locked into the, 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 let's say, the oldest part of the brain, the part that wants to be in either domination or those responses. And you yeah. can't be in your adult. You can't be even thinking about your higher purpose unless you're moving more into the cerebral cortex. So this is just a little bit of neuroscience here. But essential yeah. for you when we can get into negativity and it freezes us or has us feeding in, in, in the ice cream at midnight or whatever. <laughs> do you have some uh, tapping techniques for that too <laughs> yeah uh, for me it's the inner peas at Trader Joe's <laughs> <laughs> oh wow and, well, well Lori uh, anything else you want to share because we know your ambassadors may be coming over We're, we might be able to see them at some point anything oh, you want to share with us because the last couple minutes here before you go yes um, I just just received word that uh the potential for us to receive visas um, is highly likely. So it is highly likely that six of our 12 ambassadors will be on the East Coast in the United States um, uh, early March uh, and uh, being um, in Newtown, connecting with Newtowners, which will hopefully create a totally different uh, mood and inspiration and uh, we are beyond excited and it's a miracle beyond my imagination so just when I think I'm at the end of the end another miracle happens well there you are following your higher calling and they keep giving another miracle in your path as you go isn't that the truth of it stepping out with such courage Laura you're so inspiring I, I am feeling high as a kite right now from the <laughs> thought of all of this healing that is going on and, and you being this one beautiful ambassador following your higher calling what a legendary leader thank you so much for being on the show today it's my honor Maria and I really want to honor what you're doing as well holding this kind of space to Invite other people to join us and create global healing. Yes, thank you, Lori. Wow, what a pleasure. (laughs) Well, that's all the time that we have today. And uh, first of all, I I do want to thank all of you who filled out my quick energy quiz. I'm excited by your responses, and now I know what brain tools and techniques you particularly are wanting to turn your energy needs around in just minutes and not feel drained or tired throughout your day. I'm, I'm going to be putting that all together in a positive energy breakthrough coaching program in March. So you'll be getting those energy answers and hearing more about that in the future. I'm also going to keep make it very uh, inexpensive, so you can all come, come to that. 
And for those of you who haven't taken that energy, the quick energy quiz, please go to mariadanley.com and click on the box that says, take my quick energy quiz. You'll be creating this upcoming co- group coaching program with me, and you'll be able to see where your energy is being drained throughout your day. The good news is that the Positive Energy Breakthrough uh, Program starting in March will show you how to turn these energy drains around quickly and easily in minutes so that you can continue to focus on your higher calling. And I'll repeat that I am designing the program to be affordable for everyone. I'll be connecting with some of you live shortly after the end of the show today on the free group telechanneling call coming up. It's every Tuesday afternoon, <clears throat> starting exactly 10 minutes after each week's radio show ends, beginning at 5, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 2, 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please go to legendaryleaders.com to sign up. And it may take a few minutes to get the call in number, so please go to legendaryleaders.com now to claim your spot on today's call, where I'll be channeling answers to your questions that you have for your higher self. And for those of you who don't like the idea of a group coaching, would uh, pri- <laughs> we prefer a private one-to-one higher self reading with your with me? You can contact me at mariadanley.com by clicking on the offerings tab at the top of mariadanley.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-D-A-N-L-Y.com. Click on offerings. Click on the higher self reading tab. And if you will put in the code. The word legendary, L-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y. You can get 10% off my reading price by using that discount code, legendary. There's a box that will say, what is the code? All you have to do is put that word legendary in. I don't know if my VA said it has to be in caps or not, but she sent it to me as in all capitalized, legendary. You will get 10% off a one-hour reading with me. Our guest next week is Susan Steinbrecher a business consultant and co-author of the new book, Heart-Centered Leadership, Lead Well, Live Well. If you're feeling disheartened by what many current leaders are doing, leading in corporations and big business today, my guest next week will lift your heart with hope by sharing some of the exciting changes that are happening and a new trend that successful businesses are adopting that is shifting leadership in this arena. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. It is an honor to support all of you unsung heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders you are destined to be. Until next week, I send you my love and best wishes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Have a wonderful week.